Thanks for downloading this show from PC1. Before we get rolling, here's a word from one of the folks who helped bring you this podcast. The following program is a podcast1.com production. I'm so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so that you can keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our website. ClarkDeals.com is our bargain site. Coming up in 20 minutes. You know all those spam messages that fill your phone and fill your email? Well, one of the perpetrators has just been caught. I'm going to give you the details on today's Clark Rage. And coming up in a half hour, Tesla, the electric car and solar and battery company, now supposedly has a value, at least people who buy stock say it has a value, greater than that of General Motors or Ford. It is a clear signal to me that the market is getting dangerous. And I'm going to tell you what I think you need to know about your investments in just a half hour. I want to talk right now about something that is such an old cliche, spring cleaning. But if it's a cliche, why are we doing it right now in my house? Seriously. Room by room by room. And the scary thing as I speak to you right now is our house is actually in more chaos and messier while we're going through spring cleaning than it was when we let all that stuff just lie around. But it's worth it to get clutter out of your life, to get stuff out of your life, and there's a number of furniture items that we've been selling on community Facebook pages that my wife is a member of. We buy stuff on these Facebook community pages. We sell stuff on it. I hope now we're more a seller over time than we are a buyer. But people get a real deal, and you get rid of stuff that's cluttering up your life, and it's, in my opinion, it's a much safer way to do it than to sell stuff you're getting rid of on Craigslist. Because with these Facebook communities, they tend to be in your own neighborhood or in your own area. The best ones have moderators who would have been great prison wardens who control everything that goes on within the Facebook community for buying and selling with very strict rules. And so you can move stuff out of your life and somebody else gets a deal in their lives. And now there are sellers for all different kinds of things. For girls' and women's clothing, Plato's Closet has been a great way for people to buy, women to buy more affordable, especially teenage girls, to buy more affordable clothing and for you to sell off clothing you have. And then all over the country... There are now high-end used clothing sellers that if you tend to shop in the fancy clothing stores, you can consign your stuff to these fancy ones, and somebody comes in, they buy something, 
what may be 20 cents on the dollar, and you take something that's unloved in your life and no longer worn or used, and you turn it into 20 cents on each dollar you originally paid for it back in your pocket, which is better than zero sitting on the shelf. I have a list at Clark.com of the various ways to sell electronics and specifically things like cell phones. There are specialists for cell phones. All the ways for you to move junk out of your life or for you looking to take somebody else's trash and turn it into your treasure for you to get a great deal on it. Alberto is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Alberto. How are you doing? I'm all right, uh, Clark. How are you doing? Good, thanks. You're headed to Spain. Uh, yeah, well, we're going to, we're flying into Spain, and then we're uh, driving into uh, Portugal this summer. Hum, you are so lucky. Now, I'm going to be as lucky as you almost. I don't get to go to Portugal, but I am going to Spain this summer, because the, the fares have been the cheapest they've been in a generation from the U.S. to Europe. Oh, yes. This is the first time I'm going to Portugal since uh, um, 9-11, actually. We, we flew out two days prior to, to the attack to, to Portugal, and uh, this has been the cheapest so far. That you know, The reason why I'm flying into Madrid is because uh, the fares were cheaper to go into Madrid than actually flying into Portugal directly. I'm curious, how much are you paying to go to Madrid? Uh, 500 round trip. During summer? During the summer, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Two years ago, that was a minimum $1,500 ticket. Yep, exactly, exactly. Great. Well, how can I be of service with this fantastic journey you're going on? Well, unfortunately, uh, following the news with uh, everything that's going on around in the world and stuff, uh, I heard about the European Union um, having a problem with the uh, the United States requiring requiring visas for some of their member countries. So uh, if nothing is done after May, I believe, the end of May, uh, U.S. citizens are going to be supposedly required to get visas. Yeah, I'm watching I'm watching that like a hawk. Now, yeah, exactly. um, there's, so. there's extreme hurt feelings in Europe because we've had a, a policy of reciprocity with, um, I forget how many dozen countries, it's uh, three or four dozen countries, where uh, we allow uh, citizens of those countries to enter the U.S. without a visa, and they, in turn, allow us to enter their country without a visa. And so it's kind of like a trade war kind of thing. If we institute a visa requirement, there will be retaliation against us, and they will require a visa in turn from us. Now, my guess is that a lot of the EU members will do a visa that you get at the airport either before you board a flight from the United States to Europe or they'll issue the visa on the ground. Australia has a very streamlined system where Americans go online and you apply for a visa, uh, put in your U.S. passport information, all that, and the visa is issued for like $20, $30, and you know you're good to go. And so I don't think we're going to get into something like we'd have if you were going to a totalitarian country or whatever, like uh, how difficult it can be sometimes to get a visa to to China, to communist China, not to real China, Taiwan. Exactly. But um, I I don't think 
you're going to need to worry. Oh, if anything, I, I, I sure think it'll so. be a minor aggravation. I hope I hope it works out to be that way because I remember getting a. At the time, I wasn't a U.S. citizen, but I was a Colombian citizen. I had to get a visa to go to France, and uh, oh boy, did, did did I have to jump through hoops in order to get a visa? Okay, so, so the weirdest thing. That. This is completely irrelevant for everybody listening to us, but you probably are aware that Colombian citizens going to the European Union, some countries make it really easy for you to enter by air. Others don't, but once you've landed in any of them, you can go to any other. Yes, yes. It's crazy, yeah, my, isn't it? My, <laughs> my, concern, my concern is, uh, you know, uh, my, myself and my wife and the kids and stuff, we have uh, dual citizenship, so we should be okay. But we're going with a friend uh, and his family that are U.S. citizens, so... We have to, if we, in the event that we have to get visas and stuff, we will have to find, you know. You'll be, you will, I will be shocked if it's not going to be, even if the visa wall goes up, I still believe it's going to be an easy process for us. Oh, great. I sure hope so. All right. And have a great trip. We'll see you in Spain. Thank you very much. Enjoy. Thanks. Josh is with us on the Clark Howard Show. And Josh, I'm so sorry that your wife is dealing with a serious cancer right now. Well, thanks for having me on, Clark. I really appreciate it and definitely uh, appreciate your thoughts for her. How's she doing with her treatment? You know, she's doing really well. She's just about to wrap up her radiation. So she's gone through about three major surgeries and then uh, the full round of different chemos and, and now the radiation. And she's just been an amazing trooper. Wow. You know, I, I so marvel at the toughness of people that endure the combo of chemo and radiation and come through it mm-hmm. smiling. Uh, that just says so much about who she is as a person. Yeah, she's always cheered up everybody when she goes into the room. Uh, she's the one who lights it up. Love that. And uh, I hate to ask you, but how are her prospects going forward now? You know, we haven't wanted to know. Okay. Uh, then I'm sorry yeah. I asked. No, it's quite all right, but we're believing for the best, and we're going to do what it takes to, to see it happen. Well, how can I be of help to you in this situation? This is a lot to go through. It is. It is. Uh, over the last year, we've probably added about $20,000 worth of unsecured debt. Um, I won't say that we were doing perfect before, but we're definitely, uh, you know, did not do well with our finances over this last year, both because of all the medical expenses and also because it's pretty much impossible to say no to someone when, you know, if some trivial something might cheer her up during chemo, uh, by golly, I'm going to go do it. (laughs) Right. I mean, uh, money uh, compared to to somebody's life, I mean, it just... uh, It seemed pretty trivial. Exactly. Now that we're getting through it, it's it's more uh, significant, and, and we see the long-term game again. But for a while there, we were just focusing on the short game. <laughs> okay. Well, and that's the only thing you should be is worrying about her health and getting well. Yes, sir. But um, my questions pertain primarily to uh, tactics for, for digging back out. Bankruptcy has come up. We've also thought that it's possible we might be able to pay down one lender at a time. Uh, my father's retired, but he's offered some uh, some financial assistance there. And then just came on my radar recently that you hear these commercials talking about buying out your life insurance policy or some you know loan on that. 
uh, for a portion of the value. And yeah, I you don't want to do those. Those, those are okay. Those are okay. bad bets. Those are lousy deals. Okay. As far as what I would like for you to look at, and I don't know if anybody has ever mentioned this to you, but I'd really like for the two of you to sit down when she's up to it to sit down with a counselor from the closest affiliate of the National Foundation for Credit Counseling. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of that organization? I have not. So if you go to nfcc.org, you'll be able to find the closest counselor available to sit down with you and come up with a plan, and they may need to negotiate with your creditors for you, but it'll be a plan to pay down the debt at a payment level that your budget can handle. And it is generally free for you to sit down with a counselor. If they end up negotiating for you and arrange where you pay them a monthly payment, there's a token Mm -hmm. fee you pay every month for them to handle the paperwork. But it's a methodical way for you to work your way out of debt from this. Wonderful. So again, at nfcc.org, you'll see where you can put in uh, your your location information, and they'll mm-hmm. be able to hook you up with somebody right near you. Great. And Great. again, I want to wish the best to your wife and hope she makes a full and complete recovery. Amen. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. An arrest in Spain draws a real spotlight onto the vulnerabilities we have with our cell phones and our email and social media from hackers that want to empty our wallets. It's today's Clark Rageous Moment. Scams, ripoffs, outrages. It's a Clark Rageous Moment. I don't know if you heard about this, but there was a hacking ring based in Russia, that was being protected by the Kremlin. Who knows if Putin himself said, we're not turning this guy over. When the U.S. tried to get him years ago, the Russians rebuffed us, even though we had solid evidence that he was the clown behind so much criminal activity that was emptying people's bank accounts, brokerage accounts, and everything else in our lives. And the guy went to Spain on vacation, and we had never stopped tracking him, and we got him. But in the aftermath of his arrest, it's become so clear how successful Peter Levishov was in cracking the code on all our personal information with the ability to, in a blink, to steal everything we have in bank accounts, mutual fund accounts, brokerage accounts, anything like that. And it was so chilling reading the accounts about how easily the Russians are able to penetrate our financial system that if you have not done so yet, please take this as an urgent appeal by me for you to set up two-factor authentication on your banking and brokerage accounts or retirement accounts, or anything like that. Two-factor authentication, all it means is that in addition to using your username and password, an additional step is required 
for you to be able to access your account. It may be something as simple as you receiving a text message to your cell phone number on file that gives you a one-time use code to access your account. In addition, I encourage you strongly, if you run, if you're lucky enough to run big balances in your bank or investment accounts, to check your accounts twice a week. If you get locked out of your account, if anything weird seems to be happening in your account, you're only days away from being able to start doing something about it if you don't do anything till you might look at your monthly statement you're laying yourself open and vulnerable to taking a lifetime of hard work saving money and having it cleared out you know if you're looking to buy paper towels or a can of beans knowing what other people paid for them isn't really that important paper towels it's beans but for a big purchase like a car that kind of information isn't just helpful it's essential well, with TrueCar, you can do just that. You see, TrueCar lets you see what other people in your area paid for the car that you're looking to buy, which will help you determine a fair price. And the best part? You can work directly with a TrueCar certified dealer to establish a fair price before you even show up on the lot. Yeah, that's right. TrueCar certified dealers have all the same information you do and are just there to help you get the car you want while offering you a faster, easier buying experience. Who doesn't want that? And knowing what others have paid has helped TrueCar users save an average of over $3,000 off MSRP. So when you're ready to buy that car, there's only one place to go. Visit TrueCar and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. You can get it at TrueCar.com or the super easy to use TrueCar app. Some features not available in all states. Thanks for joining us here on the Clark Howard Show where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our web address. When you have a question for me, take it to clark.com slash ask. I drive a car that's completely out of character for me. I drive a Tesla. It is the most amazing car I've ever been in. Every day I get in my car, it feels like it's my birthday all over again. It's that special. The stock of Tesla recently rose to a point where it eclipsed the entire value of the Ford Motor Company and the entire value of General Motors. General Motors, it owns Chevy, GMC trucks, Buick, Cadillac. I mean, it's a big operation. Huge has enormous profits and versus its sales relatively little debt. Ditto at Ford. But the people who buy stocks have convinced themselves that Tesla that sells a tiny number of vehicles per year relative to these big guys and has massive debt and virtually has never made money in its decade-plus history, that it's worth more than GM and Ford. This, to me, is a clear sign that at least part of 
the U.S. stock market is suffering from irrational behavior. Now, remember, I said the car I drive is the most amazing experience ever. And maybe eventually Tesla will prove to be a very profitable enterprise and will end up being a huge company. But right now, it's not at all rational that people are bidding up the value. And there are many, many, particularly tech stocks that are in this same kind of rarefied air. I want you to think about this. I'm never somebody who says, buy everything now, sell everything now. I'm steady as you go. Good markets and bad. I diversify my money. I put in money every pay period in my retirement account every month in my investment account. My money is spread out in what are known as index funds principally where I own little pieces of thousands of companies here and overseas. And I ride with capitalism here and overseas. Outside of that, I hold a very small number of individual stocks. I'm not a strong believer in owning individual stocks, but there are people who really are. But owning stocks, unless you're just so rich that you can just play with money, the purpose of it is to create financial security for yourself. And I caution you to be very careful when a stock becomes what they call on Wall Street a story. And Tesla is just that, a story. If you're old enough to know what happened in the late 90s that led to the tech bust in 2000, people were bidding tech stocks up to beyond the galaxy with no possibility of those companies ever becoming profitable. And eventually, the companies, almost all of them went bust, and the value of people's stocks went to zero. I'm not saying Tesla's going to zero, and I'm just using Tesla as an example. I want you to be careful investing. And because we've had such a great run over eight years, people start to let their guard down and get a little lazy intellectually about and emotionally about investing. If you want to own Tesla stock as a sentimental thing or as a Las Vegas kind of gambling play, that's fine. But never bet your future on a story stock. Matthew is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Matthew. Hey, how are you, Clark? Great, thank you. You are going to use an expression that I seldom hear anymore, Fizbo. Yeah, Fizbos. Um, well, real quick, uh, I, I've actually done something for, for my parents. Uh, I've created an entire social media campaign to help sell their, their property. And instead of going through, you know, the realtors, um, since this is an enriched content website that I've created along with various social media platforms that I've used and I'm doing specific targeting through PPC, we started taking a look like, all right, well, we need to get the properties listed on the MLS MLS listings. And I was just wondering, do you have any suggestions on what FISBOs to approach? 
All right, so with MLS listing now, there are more and more sources where you can go on MLS even though you're not using a real estate agent. Correct. And there are, if you go in and you do MLS and you put your state name, you will find a bunch of them that are available. Okay. And there are ones that will get you on MLS as well as on Zillow and maybe some of the other sites that are available. Um, I got you. Tribune Newspapers owns for sale by owner that a lot Mm -hmm. of people use. And if you just go on a search engine, though, and you put MLS in your state, you'll see a variety of players and what they charge to provide an MLS listing. Uh, some, of, some of the sites that I've gone to, they have the various packages where you can either pay, you know, by month or you can pay a one-time fee until the property is sold. So I, I've seen a, an array of those. You see it um, about $500. Is that about what you're seeing as a one-time fee? Uh, 640 was one of them okay. on one of the sites that All I right. went to. Now, uh, in the area where your parents' property is, how mm-hmm. quickly do properties tend to move? The properties, of course, you know, I mean, uh, over the last year, we, uh, we've seen it, the economic development that's taking place. And that was one of the things that I highlighted in our area is, like, look at all the job expansion that's getting ready to take place over the next six years and how you can be a part of it is purchasing this property. So I, I did a lot of, in, uh, you know, enriching content, engaging content, highlighting the area and how a person can be a part of that growth is by purchasing that uh, this property. Are you going to protect um, agents if an agent brings you a buyer? Oh, we started talking to agents, and actually I just had a meeting this morning with uh, a couple of realtors, and uh, the one response that I've gotten is, is like nobody's doing this approach, and it's very unique, and especially the site that you've created, it's a ton of information, which you know links back to, and I've even hooked up with the economic development in our area and talked to the city, and uh, I was able to complement their current campaign uh, with what they're doing. So I've done a lot of uh, kind of SEO type of organic reaching within the area, and I've also done some PPC through Facebook. But, you know, the biggest thing, and the only reason why I was going to approach a realtor was because of their access to the MLS listings and, of course, you know, their connections. Yeah, but you don't need the real estate agent to be on MLS now. That's why I'm talking right. about all these alternatives. They hold, in many states, they have to hold a realtor's license but all they're doing is getting you in the database. What I was asking is if a real estate agent brings a buyer to your parents, will you commission protect the agent who brings someone to the table? Oh, yes, and we did, and, and that was one of the things that we discussed uh, with, the, with the agent. But, you know, the normal standard is 6%, but, you know, since we've created this uh, huge, like I said, social media marketing campaign, uh, you know, they understand that, you know, they're going to be piggybacking off of us. And if they do bring a, a buyer, it won't be the full 6%. We've talked about more along the lines of 3%. That is this. That is correct. Three is the number that's most often considered to be the acceptable number in the country when you actively market your own property, but an agent brings a buyer. How can I help? Because it sounds like you have done the kind of stuff I talk about, about how it's not just putting a sign in your yard you have to design an entire marketing campaign you have put on a seminar for your fellow listener about putting on a marketing campaign 
Well, uh, first of all, I'm I'm second generation listener. My father's listened to you for years, and you've changed his life. And then, you know, as I got out of the, the Navy about ten years ago, I was trying to find my way. And my dad, like, you got to really listen to this gentleman. And Clark, I've been listening to you for the last three years. Um, I have been in uh, your your information has been uh, extremely valuable, and you were one of the uh, influences on creating the social media campaign. Um, well, thank it is you. A value, and by the way, th- and tool. thank Go you ahead. for your ten years of service for our country. Will, thank you so much. I, I appreciate that. Um, but it, you know, it, it was more along the lines of uh, my parents have dealt with so many uh, realtors and so many brokers over the years, and you know they they've gone through the traditional platforms of you know all right they put it on MLS listing they have you know brochures they put a sign out uh, but you know it's just beyond that you have to you know not only engage or entice the, the buyer to come but you got to expand your reach beyond your local area because I mean people are you know constantly traveling all over the country and you know looking for new opportunities and if you really don't get that exposure out there in front of them then they don't know about your opportunity that you're trying to sell. You know what I hear? I hear a great potential opportunity for you to provide this kind of guidance to real estate agents. A lot of real Um, estate agents are uh, old school real estate agents, and it's hard for them to adapt to the social media environment and how it all works together to drive prospects and ultimately lead to sales. And you're absolutely right. That's what it ultimately leads to. And, I, and I've noticed that as well because I haven't just talked to one realtor. I've talked to several. And the, the realtors that are closer to my age, you know, uh, 34, in uh, late 20s, early 30s, they get it. They're like, oh, yeah, this is definitely a new way to engage. But, you know, all the older salty dogs within the, uh, the real estate agency, I mean, I've gotten quite a, uh, a bit of negative response from them. Just by, And I think it's more along the lines, like you said, they don't understand it. So, of course, if they don't understand, then, of course, the response is going to be negative. Well, how can I be of help? Because it sounds like you have this whole thing worked out. Well, I, I, it was more along the lines of just trying to figure out what uh, a FISBO to go with. Um, you know, like, like you said, uh, go ahead and do the uh, MLS and type in our local area, and then there'll be a list of them. Yeah. But, and and on know. the issue of paying monthly at a lower fee or just paying the lump sum for continuous listing till the property sells, that's why I asked, do properties sell quickly where your parents are, or do they take months to sell? If they take a, a lengthy period of time to sell, I would go ahead and just pay the lump sum. If most properties sell within 60 days, I would pay a monthly fee for an MLS listing as a way to not have to spend as much. Because besides for your parents, they want to be doing showings month after month after month. You really want to price where you can get it sold in the first 60 days. Good luck to you. Follow me at facebook.com slash Clark Howard. Our web address, clark.com. When you got a question for me, go clark.com slash ask. Sam is with us. Hello, Sam. Hi, good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. It is my pleasure. How can I serve you, Sam? Well, I uh, retired just a couple of months ago, and and I have about just under $30,000 as a 401k from my, from my previous employer. And um, I 
I don't want to leave it in the same in that particular account. I need, I guess, I need to roll it over into something, and I don't know what. Well, there's no reason you have to move it from there unless you really want to, because yeah, you have I, enough money. Yeah, I, I really want to. I'm, <laughs> I'm a little concerned about the about the company, but okay. So if you want to move it, there are, are certain rules in play. You are. Um, are you over 55 or 59 and a half? Yes, I'm 60, be 66 the end of this month. Okay, so the money can be treated many different ways. Is any of the money in the 401k in your old employer's stock? No. So it's all traditional mutual funds or index funds, that yes. kind of stuff inside the old 401k? Correct. All right, so you can move the money... And at your age, you have uh, an easier path to moving it than other people, potentially. But do what's known as a trustee-to-trustee transfer, just like someone would at any age wanting to move money from an old 401k. What that means is that they will not send you a check for the thirty grand. that the money right. instead will go right to where you want to have the IRA. So okay. what normally happens, do you know where you'd like to have your IRA? Uh, well, I, I, I called a couple of places. I have some mutual funds um, with one company, and um, I talked to them, and I've, I've talked to the, to the company that's handling the 401k, and, and both have opportunities, as does my local bank, but the local bank is talking CDs, and, you know, that's not much of a return. Yeah, that's true. So if you move it to where, where either of the places you were talking about, what they normally do is they open what's known as a shell account IRA for you, which will create an account number, have nothing in it yet, and then they have you sign a form that goes to the administrator of your old 401k, and then the money moves straight to them. Okay. And that way there's no tax issues at all. The money is straight back in a protected account, an IRA, and then you don't have to pull any money out of it till you're 70 and a half. Right. Can I ask you one more? I, my wife is uh, a lot more conservative in investing than I am, and this isn't money that we particularly not counting in this money for our expenses or to live on. It's extra. And so I was thinking maybe a little higher risk for a little greater return. I agree. If you have money that is sitting in a retirement account that won't be needed for years and years and years, if ever, then it's a great idea for you to put it in investment choices more like what you'd have if you were in the normal accumulation phase. Because this is money that may be used many decades down the road or an inherited asset. Yeah. So the, the next part of that is that it may be something you even want to phase into having in a Roth IRA so that if the money is likely never to be needed by you or your wife, a Roth IRA is a great asset to inherit. A traditional IRA is an ugly asset to inherit. And so people who end up with money in retirement accounts they never need, if they can afford to pay the tax on the conversion, will want to move the money over the years into a Roth from a regular, then you don't even have to make withdrawals at age 70 and a half. 
Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans proudly supports this podcast. When it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender, it's important to work with someone you can trust, someone who's got your best interests in mind. And with Rocket Mortgage, you'll get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Don't waste time searching through stacks of paperwork. With Rocket Mortgage, you can securely share your financial info to get a mortgage approval in just minutes. You can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure that you get the mortgage solution that's right for you. So whether you're looking to buy a home or refinance your existing mortgage, you can lift the burden of getting a home loan with Rocket Mortgage. Skip the bank. Skip the waiting. Go completely online at quickenloans.com save. That's quickenloans.com S-A-V-E. Let Rocket Mortgage help you get the exact mortgage solution that you need. Go to quickenloans.com save. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. The folks at Podcast One want to say thank you for listening to this show. We also would like to ask a small favor of you. It'll take you less than 10 minutes, and if you're one of the first people who does it, we'll even give you something for doing it. We want you to complete a short survey for us because we need the information you give us to help make things better every day. Just go to podcastone.study and everything will be right there for you. That's podcastone.study. The first 250 people that go and complete the survey will get a $25 gift card to Restaurant.com. And there's a chance to win an additional $250 Visa gift card. All of our shows are supported by advertisers, and filling out this survey will really help us out. So please, go to podcastone.study. And thank you. It's great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where we all learn from each other. And the collective knowledge, the collective wisdom, the goal is to help you keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our website. And you got a question for me, go to Clark.com slash ask. Coming up a half hour from now, if your cell phone battery life is driving you crazy, there are some simple things you can do that will help you stretch the life of your phone of that battery, so maybe, just maybe, you can get through the day. I want to talk about something that really can fire people up. And it's not whether you're a Republican or Democrat, not if you are pro or anti-President Trump. No, it's something far more serious to many people It's whether you live in a mandatory homeowners association or not. There are people who specifically, when they go to look to buy a home, will not even remotely consider going into a neighborhood that has a mandatory homeowners association. There are others that only will buy in a neighborhood with a mandatory homeowners association. And there are others still who I hear from who are first-time homebuyers who had no idea that they were buying in a mandatory homeowners association neighborhood and are like, do I have to pay these fees? Yes, you do. So it is a serious trade-off. And we're in the spring buying season for homes. And I'm going to give you my perspective And I'll tell you, whenever I've talked about this, people get really mad at me on every side of this issue. So if you buy a home in a mandatory homeowners association, what it means 
is that you are voluntarily entering into a community where you will pay an additional tax. And that tax will be determined by the board of directors in that mandatory homeowners association community. They will also have an extreme list of rules. I still remember in my TV work doing a story about a family that had put up a fence for a new dog they had and at great expense and did not know they had to go to the architectural committee of the Homeowners Association get the fence approved. They were fined and they were required to remove the fence and then start all over with a fence that the Homeowners Association Architectural Committee would approve. You may be required to paint your house a certain color. You may even be told what color your front door can be, what kind of grass you can grow on your lawn, and on and on and on. So a lot of loss of freedom and an expense comes with being in a mandatory homeowners association. So why would anybody want to be in one? Because potentially your home value may be more protected in a community with a mandatory homeowners association than one without. You may find that in a neighborhood where there is no homeowners association or not a mandatory one, that there will be people who will let the yard go crazy or let a house that needs a paint job go unpainted. Or they may, horror of horrors, be working on a car in the front where other people can see it driving by. Those things can cause values in a neighborhood to deteriorate significantly. And so the freedom that comes with not being in a mandatory homeowner association community and what you don't have to pay in that mandatory fee, and let me tell you, you have to pay it if you live in one of those communities. They can even foreclose on you if you don't pay the mandatory homeowners association fee. Mandatory means mandatory. But the advantage of one, the freedom of not being in an association community, may have a consequence that the value of your home is at greater risk. It's your choice. Andrea is with us on the Clark Howard Show. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well, thank you. So how can I serve you? Well, I actually am calling because of some phone calls that I've received on my cell phone, and I'm concerned for other people who might get the call and give out too much information. I think it's, I mean, I know it's a scam. Let me hear. What are they saying? Well, they're very heavily accented, and I've gotten two calls in the last week, one from a man, one from a woman, and you can hear a lot of operators in the background, so they're calling lots of people. In fact, I have friends all over the country, and we've been talking about it on Facebook. A lot of people are getting these calls. And um, basically, they tell you that they've gotten um, an error message from your computer, and they would like for you to go to your computer, and they're saying that it's a a Windows error. 
and they will need to help you reset it. And so one of, one of my friends went over there to his computer and pretended like he was doing it. And um, what the guy was trying to get him to do was to put an email address into his area where you would config. And I guess what they're doing is they're able to have access to all your information on your computer. Yeah, this this scam, unfortunately, has been around for now several years. And it's called pretexting, where they call and they pretend that they are, like, riding to the rescue because of a problem with right. your computer. And what they're doing is they are predicting the future that if you give them remote control of your computer, then nothing good is ever going to happen and many bad things will happen going forward. Ah, uh, yeah, it was it was upsetting. I got off the phone and I thought, thank goodness I hung up, but I'm thinking about people like my dad's age who don't know a lot about computers who might just listen to somebody and, you know, do that. Well, you're very sweet to think of this in terms of protecting your dad, but this mm-hmm. is an equal opportunity crime and has mm-hmm. been happening to people of any age and sometimes with surprising levels of sophistication that get kind. Mm-hmm. So the right answer is to let the people hear Mr. Buzz. Do you know my friend Mr. Buzz? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, your dial tone is what you want them to hear. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, as soon as you start asking them questions, they hang up. I had somebody today, and I'm on the do not call list. Oh. They had my name. (laughs) They had my name, and they wanted, um, they were calling with a medical refund for a procedure I had. And they started going through, I kept saying, no, I haven't had that. No, I haven't had that. And they just kept trying to hit on maybe a medical procedure I might have had oh. so that, yeah, somehow I'd be getting a refund. So, so let me setting. tell you, the, yeah. the um, do not call list does not work anymore. No. Because <laughs> these calls are being placed using internet telephone technology from outside the United States. No matter what the caller ID says, the calls right. are almost without exception occurring, originating from outside the U.S., Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, one of mine was from Wyoming, so. I would yeah. say the the chances it was from Wyoming, like nothing. In fact, I read a story about how calls are being, or showing Wyoming caller ID for so mm-hmm. many different things with the calls coming from outside right. the United States. So this is just a bogus thing. Why Wyoming? wonder how they picked that. Christy's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Christy. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Christy. I have a 9 and a 11-year-old, and I think it's time. They have their own savings accounts and college funds, but I think it's time for them to stop carrying cash in a wallet around. So I was looking for... I thought you were going to say it was time for them to get jobs. (laughs) No jobs yet for the 9-year-old. As a matter of fact, they do. They both play soccer, and they they ref. They are referees for in-house soccer teams. And I'm finding I'm trying to find a way where they can keep track of their money and just be fiscally responsible, be aware of how much they're spending, how much they have, and just learn you know finances starting at an early age. And I'm not sure which route to take, whether an online account or a regular bank account so i need your your help your advice well i love the idea of an online account but many of the online account companies will not allow minor children to have accounts 
But there are some things you can do if you want them to have the facsimile of what would be involved with a bank account in its entirety. People who are USAA members have access to a youth checking account where the kids have actual checks. They have a debit card that ties into that account. And there's a continuing education component to it for people that are USAA. In addition, have you ever heard me talk about the account called Bluebird? Yes. And I wanted to try and figure out if that was the route for them to go or would that be... I've noticed that some online accounts, you can only mail in checks. Um, You can't go to a certain bank to deposit. So I was looking to see which would be to their benefit. Okay. Are there any others that look promising to you that you've looked at? I did. I looked into uh, one of them called Money through Capital One 360, an online account. Capital One 360 is, has proven to be a much better operator of an online bank than I expected them to be. I get no complaints about them, and many people tell me it's a very good operation. So if they have an account that would work, for your 9-year-old and 11-year-old, I'd say go for it because it is a thorough, complete banking platform and it is almost 100% fee-free. You have to work at it to run up any fees. Okay. So I think that would be great. The other thing is, as your kids develop more and more savings, I'd love for you to introduce them to investing at some point. Oh, Okay. Definitely. Okay. Because right now the investing, I, you know, I take care of that as far as the college and the 529. I, I wasn't sure what route to take as far as um, money that they could just handle right now. Yeah. And so the Capital One 360, if it works for you as an adequate account, do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sounds great. All right. Thank well, I care. love that your kids are so industrious and they're already working as referees. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. That's good stuff. Do they have parents scream at them when they don't like the calls they make? <laughs> no. Well, that's good. Because I'm amazed when I go to kids' soccer games and the parents start screaming at the referees. Jerry joins us. Hi, Jerry. How are you? I'm doing all right, Clark. Jerry, your bank has uh, ruined your day, have they? Yeah, they got a good start on it. Tell me what your bank's done to you, Jerry. I had a computer issue, and I do my online banking. My computer went bad on me, so I was offline for a few days. During that time, I, have, I also have automatic deposit with my work. So my, my paycheck every Friday goes in my account. When I got back online, and this is a, a period of about two and a half weeks, I discovered that I hit the ceiling when it comes to my checking account, but I have an overdraft protection, but I also hit the ceiling on that. Ooh. They charged me $36 for overdraft for, for every one that I did. How many were there? The total of overdraft charges comes to about $1,000. $1,000? <laughs> yeah. $1,000? Yeah, we, we Jerry, do you have $1,000 to throw away? No, but they got their hands on nonetheless. How long have you been with this bank? Probably 15 years. Has your bank changed hands 15 times in those 15 years, or is it still locally owned and operated? No, it's a it's a big monster mega bank. Oh. All right. So in your fifteen years with the giant monster mega bank, how many times have you overdrawn your account? 
Oh, I can count it on one hand. Okay. So as a loyal 15-year customer of this giant monster megabank, having had extenuating circumstances with your computer being out, what did the helpful bank employee say at the giant monster megabank about helping you with this? I mean, this is just a burdensome amount of overdraft fees. I asked them if they can reverse some of those overdraft fees, and they said, no, they cannot. Now, were you talking with customer no service on the phone? Yeah. Okay. Now, I'll tell you, the rule at any giant monster megabank, when every shift change occurs in customer no service, is every employee has to stand on his or her desk and repeat 12 times the word no. They have to get into fighting mode, game time mode, of how they're going to ruin the life of whoever calls next on that phone. Don't ever waste your time talking to customer no service at a giant monster mega bank. Find out who your branch manager is at your branch. Make an appointment with him or her, not the manager on duty, not somebody who just got out of school and has some title, assistant, minor manager, or whatever. Uh-huh. You want to meet with the manager of that branch, sit down with him or her very calmly, talk to him about your 15 years with the bank, Tell them what happened with your computer and see what that individual will do for you. Okay. You should be able to get some reasonable accommodation under the extenuating circumstances. But when you're done with this, what's your assignment? You have two, actually. One is for you to keep an old-fashioned check register so you make sure you don't overdraw. And two, go find a local small bank or a local credit union, and get rid of this stinking giant monster megabank. Do you know what the cost of an overdraft is for a bank? It's not very much. What I have read is that it's 70 cents. Mm. And they charge you $36 roughly 30 times, I'm gathering. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair, isn't it? Get in there, go fight for yourself, be polite, be clear, and come up with an amount you feel is fair, state it to that branch manager, and let's see what you can't work out. I want to hear how you do. Hi, I'm Clay Smith, host of Fully Booked by Kirkus Reviews, the podcast for book lovers interested in interviews with best-selling authors, insider scoop on the hottest releases, reading ideas for book clubs and bibliophiles, and even tips about which books to skip altogether. So be sure to download new episodes of Fully Booked by Kirkus Reviews every Tuesday. You can get it on the Podcast One app, or you can subscribe on iTunes. And don't forget to rate, review, and share. Stay tuned for 60 seconds of AP News headlines right after this podcast. I'm glad you're with us on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our website. Our deal site is ClarkDeals.com. So what's the deal with your cell phone? That over time, the battery life seems to go down and down and down. Well, many times, it's because of the apps you download on your phone. We blame the cell phone manufacturer and the battery they put in the phone. But many times it's because of the demands on our phone. You can use apps 
particularly in the Android world, that will diagnose and reduce consumption on your phone. In my case, I have a phone that is supposed to last two full days on one battery charge without breaking a sweat. Mine was barely making it through a day. And one setting change on my phone gave me a new lease on life on the phone. And that was my screen display. That simply by moving my screen display from automatic to setting a low light on my phone, some people might say I made the experience less rewarding on my phone, but I also was able, by changing the brightness, to get much more battery life out of my phone. And so now I'm having no trouble at all, even on days of heavy use, getting at least a full day out of my phone. All our phones have things like this that can help us increase the amount of time on our phone. One in particular that's true for both Android and iPhone is that if you have apps that are constantly going out and seeking information, like email that's constantly pinging for new emails, instead of dialing that back to, do you really need your emails instantly? You probably could get along just fine with it only inquiring for emails every half hour. With various apps, if you shut down their always hyperactive kind of stuff going on, you'll dramatically increase the length of time that your phone will operate and make that thing get through the day. A lot of the phones that use the UHC, I'm sorry, USB-C charging protocol, if you do run it down, if you have a charger handy, they'll regain about 75% of their battery life in just a few minutes. But don't even have to worry about that. Go look at Clark.com and see the small changes you can make to settings on your phone that will give your phone more life each and every day. And by the way, my phone has the craziest setting. I have a Huawei Mate 9. It's a Chinese phone that is sold in the U.S. And there's a setting on it for battery life that is amazing. It, you change it to the mode that, that gives you extra time on the phone, and it will go for two weeks two weeks on the battery power it has. It's perfect if people are doing like a hiking trip or something like that and you want to keep battery power and there's no electricity out there. You set it on the mode that makes it not quite a dumb phone but a lot less than its normal robust smartphone capabilities. And then I've got it for weeks without having to worry about it dying on me. 
Donna, welcome to the Clark Howard Show. You have student loans we're going to talk about. Is that right? Yes. Hi, Clark. I do. I have $58,000 in student loans, and I have to preface this by saying that it's kind of amusing because after having gotten all three of my boys through college and getting out of the land or tuition payments, I threw myself in there. <laughs> and so these are for me. And What did um, you get your degree in? It's a master's in occupational therapy. Oh, you picked a great field. Are you working as an OT right now? I am. I was working as an OTA, and my intention was to do that for two years and then go on to get the master's. But then we had illness in the family and kind of put me on hold. So I never really knew if I'd have the opportunity to, you know, pursue this. So um, I was really fortunate after a good chunk of time and was able to then, when my youngest graduated, go back myself. Fantastic. So, so now... I am, first let me just say, I'm 60, <laughs> so I'm starting to repay my loans. Wow. And so that's kind of amusing, and I say, well, I'm not going to really worry about it too much because I'll be long gone before those things are due. But anyway, here's my, here's my current situation. Okay. I have $58,000 in loans. The current interest rate that I have is approximately 6.8% for all of the loans, um, and... I was just inquiring at my credit union. They have a HELOC, and the current interest rates are 3.3 for a, an instrument that goes as far as 8 years or 3.5 for 12 years. So essentially, to me, it looks like I would be reducing my interest rate in half. In addition, there's no points, no fees, no cost to initiate the loan. All right. So wait, wait, wait. You said HELOC. Now, yeah. are you sure you're not talking about a home equity loan instead of a home equity line of credit? I am. I shouldn't be bantying these terms about. Yes, it's a home equity loan. Okay. So that is a fantastic offer. Oh, great. I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't overlooking something. So you said the 3.8 is for how many years? The 3.3. Oh, 3.3. Yep, the 3.3 is good for up to eight years in duration, and the, and it's 3.5 for up to 12 years in duration. Wow, and how long do you think it would take you to can the 58000 Well, you know, I will put all of my income against that until it's paid, so somewhere between one and two years, I'm hoping. And the reason I was thinking for a moment about the 3.5 was just because then it's a lower monthly payment, and if... You know, because anything over $400 makes me nervous. Yeah, I think the interest rate difference between the two options, absolutely, I'd do the 3.5% fixed. That's a screaming deal. Ah, those are the words I want to hear. (laughs) And as long as the interest rate is not subject to recalculation at any point during the period, Uh this is a home run for you all the way around. Oh, thank you. So I should ask them if it's subject to recalculation. Yeah. As long as it stays at that rate for the whole, you said, 12-year period? Yes, they yeah. said it was fixed. If it's 3.5% for 12 years, grab that money and okay, go for I, it. I, I, let me just tell you, I'm sitting outside the credit union, and I expected to talk to one of your volunteers, so I was delighted to, to, you know, to get you on the phone. Um, may I ask a, just a brief companion question to that? It's a okay. Question. Okay, and that is, as I said, I'm 60, 
And um, hopefully I will be in a position in the next year or two to be able to um, do a Roth. I, I, prior to going out on internships, I saved like a crazy person. And um, so I still have a little bit of money left. I was able to fund a Roth the last two, uh, not a Roth, but a, an IRA the last two years. I'm anticipating that in the next year or so I'll be able to fund a Roth you know, take the tax and fund a Roth. But I'm wondering, at this age, is it worth it? Because Yes, 100%. Because you'd is. be able to put 6500 a year into it. Because yeah. of your age, you get to put 1000 bonus in it each year. Yeah. Yeah. And then that money gives you so much flexibility in retirement when you'd actually draw on it. And whenever you do, it'll be tax-free money. So, right. yes, as you get the student loans wiped out, popping money into a Roth, would be brilliant. It'd be fantastic. And good luck to you in your continuing career in OT. Fred is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Fred. Hey, Clark. How are you doing today? Great. Thank you, Fred. How can I be of service to you? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks. I recently purchased a house in San Diego, California, and my sister in Oregon uh, co-signed the loan for me. I'm Well, what a nice sister. She's the best. Very fortunate. I'm getting lots and lots of offers for insurance, uh, you know, in case anything happens to me or happens to her to pay the house off. And it gets very confusing when you're looking at this. And so, you know, should I be looking at a term life insurance? Yes, 100%. Any of the offers you get from the mortgage lender, Mm -hmm. those are garbage. Don't go anywhere near any of those. And if you do a level term insurance policy... Those are very inexpensive, and you'll be able to cover the length of term of the loan because you can buy those in any pretty much length cycle up to 30 years. Okay. So you buy a 15-year, 20-year, 30-year level term, and they're just fantastic because you're just buying based on the possibility that you may pass away, which the odds, thank goodness are that you're going to live through the cycle of the term policy. So they're very, very cheap. Okay, great. And we you think I should just go to my regular insurance agent that I've got all the other stuff on or go on to your website? And you could. Me. I have some sources where you can get quotes right online that are real quotes. Do an okay. application online for term life insurance. And so you can do that. Um, you can also, and I would suggest in addition, you get quotes from your your person you've dealt with in the past on the level term. And one of the websites you can go to to get real quotes online is Policy Genius. I was on there yesterday. I thank you. That's and h- how reasonable were the premiums for you? I didn't. I didn't get the quote yet. I just went on there and signed up and, and joined the Policy Genius um, program. And the other one is Quotacy, Q-U-O-T-A-C-Y dot com. Okay. Can I ask one other quick question? Sure. Recently, I had a child who wanted to set up a college account, uh, savings account for him. Is 529 still the best way to go? Definitely. And California's 529 plan is really good now. California's plan has been through its ups and downs, but it's a very solid 529 plan. Okay, great. All right. Well, thank you very much, Clark. You've been great help to me. I appreciate it. And I'm so jealous you get to live with eternal sunshine. Uh, 
Yeah, you get to travel a lot more, though, I'm sure. <laughs> I do, I do. But San Diego, I mean, think about it. Could you ask for anything better? In and out Burger, perfect weather, beautiful place, lot to do, the ocean, the beautiful harbors. I should go to work for the Convention Visitors Bureau, shouldn't I? Kia's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Kia. Hey, how you doing? Great, thank you, Kia. How can I serve you? Well, first of all, thank you for having me on your show, but my question has to deal with credit freezing. With so much identity theft taking place these days, I've been considering freezing my credit in order to protect my credit score. I purchased my first home last year, and I rarely use any credit cards, and I don't plan on opening any additional lines of credit in the next several years. My question is, when credit is frozen, is the credit score also frozen for the life of the credit freeze? Is the credit score, you said? Yes. No, no, no. Your credit is dynamic. Your scoring, your credit report, that continues just as it is. So uh, your the heartbeat of your credit reflects every 30 days whether you have your credit frozen or not. The difference is you can't do a new application for credit when your credit's frozen. And that's where the identity thieves cause so much havoc because they get enough information about you to do an application as if they are you, and then they go spend like crazy using your good name and your credit, and then you're left to clean up the mess. And in the worst cases, they're going and they're buying cars as if they're you and then stealing the cars. Either what? for the either for the parts or they're shipping the cars out of the United States or whatever. So they'll show up at a car dealership with fake ID as you. They'll use your good credit score and good credit reputation to buy a car as if they're you. They drive away in that car, never obviously never planning to make any payments at all. And then the lender comes after you for not paying for your new car, your new SUV or whatever that you never bought and never knew anything about. Wow. And credit freeze prevents that. One thing I will tell you, though, with credit freeze, from what you said, mm-hmm. you will have to thaw your credit more often than you might think because if you were to, let's say, sign up for a new cell phone plan with one of the traditional contract companies, they'll want to run your credit. And so you'd have to thaw to do that. If you, um, let me think, what other kind of things? If you're looking for a job and potential employers want to check your credit, you would have to thaw it while you're looking for a job. And it's really quick to thaw your credit. As long as you keep your codes in a safe place, Kia, it takes me like a minute to thaw my credit. That's good to know. So if you if you want that safety and security, there's nothing that exists today that comes close to the value of a credit freeze. Joel, how about we do an Ask Clark right now? All right, Clark. Aaron wrote in, he says, a benefit of the Roth IRA is that you can always withdraw your contributions tax and penalty free. However, if you do make that decision to withdraw, can you over time put the money back into the Roth without having an impact on the yearly contribution limit like you can with a 401k loan? You cannot. So if you have 
let's say, just for argument's sake, you have $20,000 in a Roth IRA that you built up over the years, and your contributions represent 15 of that 20. You can pull the 15 out tax and penalty free, but when the financial need that required that you pull that money out is over, you cannot then turn around and just, oh, I'm going to put that 15 back in. You will still be capped at the 5500 a year moving forward, putting money in. But it is a great way for you, if you're reluctant to put money in a retirement account because of the what if for an emergency fund, it makes it a better idea to put the money in there, knowing that if you had to have it, you can get all your contributions out without tax consequence. Thanks for listening to the Clark Howard Podcast. Download new episodes every Monday through Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. I'm John Horn. I'm the host of Geffen Playhouse Unscripted. I'm here with our very first guest, Rain Wilson. Hi, John. It looks like I'm the first guest on the Geffen Unclothed. Unscripted. Unscripted. Yeah, let's go with that. A marriage made in heaven, I guess. Or Westwood. Tune in for some of our exciting upcoming guests. David Copperfield, Neil LaBute, Neil Patrick Harris, Josh Gad, Rita Wilson, and many more. Be sure to download new episodes every Wednesday on the Podcast One app and on iTunes. And don't forget to rate, review, and share. And, and I'm Rain Wilson, the first guest. You are no, the very first guest. This was a huge uh, mistake. Stephen Playhouse Unscripted. Huge mistake. What we're learning about the Manchester bomber. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. The father of the alleged Manchester suicide bomber says his son didn't do it. We don't believe in killing innocents, he told the AP. But the father reportedly was a member of an al-Qaeda-backed group in Libya years ago. That, according to a former Libyan security official. Meanwhile, police have carried out raids on a block of apartments in Manchester. Witnesses say they heard explosions. Alan Kinsey was a neighbor of the alleged bomber. The actual family that had been there, I'd, I'd never really come across them in bad ways. It was always, even when I said hello, they never seemed to speak back to you. He was just like, kept themselves to themselves, and that was about it. The British putting more military troops on the streets now as police say it's clear this is a network they're investigating. President Trump has arrived in Brussels for NATO meetings after a visit this morning with the Pope at the Vatican. I'm Rita Foley.